the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma and Jake D'Souza. Hello. Before we get started, I want to do a special shout out to Neil, our Patreon follower. Thank you, Neil, for all the support. And for anyone else, you can find our Patreon page on the show notes. All right, so we are going to be discussing voting rights in this episode. And we're doing so because uh, myself and Jake actually hold two very different sets of voting rights. To begin with, for anyone listening in Northern Ireland, if you don't know this already, the electoral register was recently wiped, and therefore you have to re-register in order to vote for the next election. And as anyone who's interested in politics will know, the next assembly election, which is next year, is going to be a big one. So you're going to want to be sure you can vote. And, uh, you know, the vote right to vote is, uh, is pretty important. Crucial. That's right. Um, so I suppose we'll go to you, Jake. Uh, you are an American citizen living in Northern Ireland. You've been here for a long time, six years, maybe longer. I think longer. Yeah. Uh, And so you would think by this point, you would have some right to political participation in electoral politics. But as it turns out, you as an American citizen cannot vote for no one here. That's right. I am limited to, uh, well, I can vote in US elections, but I do not have the ability to vote in anything here. Let me. Ch- I have a trusty notepad here, uh, which indicates that I I can't vote in any elections in Northern Ireland, despite living here for around six years. Uh, I will only be able to vote once I become an Irish citizen. So that'll be a, a little ways away. Hopefully not too long. Uh, Jake does have an application in to naturalize as an Irish citizen. Yeah. But isn't it uh, a bit peculiar that until he becomes an Irish citizen? He cannot actually vote in elections here in the North. And uh, that's because he is a third country national um, who is not a member of an EU member state or a member of the Commonwealth and therefore has no voting rights in Northern Ireland. So it's there's actually within the North an entire cohort of people who have no right to political participation. These people live here, make their home here, they're resident here, and yet they can't vote for their local councillor, they can't vote for the assembly, and they can't vote in, well, I guess I was going to say uh, European elections, but we don't have those anymore, um, but any other type of election. These people also contribute in the same manner that any other citizen here would contribute. Like, we contribute taxes, and you'd think that we'd also be able to maybe have a say in the way our lives are directly impacted while living here. But Well, we are most certainly going to get into the um, the link, or should I say conflation, between taxation and the right to vote. Uh, but there are some viewpoints where, you know, the, the, the thinking is that residence gives you a right to vote. But in reality, it's citizenship that gives individuals a right to vote, which is why you as an American citizen continue to be able to vote in American elections. And myself as an Irish citizen, well, you would think, therefore, I would be able to vote in Irish elections. But no. Nope. And that gets me to, uh, I suppose, my voting rights as an Irish citizen living in Northern Ireland, which is the island of Ireland. I technically have no right to political participation in the Irish state, so I can't vote in elections in the South. I can't vote for the Irish president, who is a representative of the Irish nation. And last I checked, the Irish nation was not restricted to those who were just resident in the state. So on that, Irish voting rights. Well, 
125 states and territories provide their citizens abroad with a right to vote. And Ireland is not one of them. Of the 14 EU member states that hold direct presidential elections, only Ireland, Slovakia and Cyprus deprive their citizens of the right to vote. And Ireland is the only EU member state which does not allow their nationals living abroad in another member state to vote in European elections, which is a complete contradiction to the right to freedom of movement because that includes the right to vote in other member states. So Ireland is completely out there on its own as an outlier in denying the right to vote. They just... They don't want to give it to anybody who's not resident in the state. What is with this area of the world and all these weird restrictions on things? I mean, there's just this, um, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, oh, wait, I do know. I do know. I have a theory. Okay. <laughs> it is this sense that those who are not in the Irish state are just not as Irish. You're not like real Irish. It's like a hierarchy of Irishness. Hmm. And we see that a lot in some of the arguments that come out of the debate over extending voting rights to Irish citizens abroad. It's just like an exclusionary argument where anyone who's resident outside the state morphs into some sort of boogeyman dependent on which part of the world they're living in. (laughs) So those of us in the North, well, we all morph morph into Sinn Féin voters. Mm Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that there's over 800,000 Irish passport holders in the north and I think about 180,000 uh, vote on average for Sinn Féin. So <laughs> apparently the other 600,000 of us are just going to morph into Magical. Sinn Féin voters. And that's a bad thing because, you know, you should only give voting rights to those whose politics you agree with. Right. That's and, democracy. You, you know, so long as you know who they're going to vote for, then it's OK. Yeah. Total logical sense. <laughs> Then for those who um, are in the rest of the UK, well, they're all Brexiteers. Surely every Irish citizen and every Irish passport holder who lives in the United Kingdom must be, by the logic of some, a Brexiteer. And they're they're very uh, worried about the increase in Irish passport applications because apparently everyone that's applying for an Irish passport who lives in, say, London must be a Brexiteer. I mean, the logic in that, I mean, Brexiteers don't want anything to do with the EU. That was the right. whole point of it. It was about, you know, this far right version of English nationalism where mm-hmm. the EU is this, this, you know, terrible thing that they must get rid of. But also the figures don't back up that theory in any way because the majority of those who are applying are already Irish citizens, but they just haven't got around to getting their passport. Right. And neither like, well, I need it. And again, feeds into this uh, this idea that you should only give voting rights to those whose politics you agree with. And then so for anyone that's in America, well, once again, any Irish citizen in America must apparently be a Trump voter. So we see these stereotypes that are all quite inflammatory caricatures, you know, of a group within these different countries. And they somehow become, you know, this must be everyone. You know, it's a it's a minority. Of course, there's going to be Trump voters who are also Irish citizens. Of course, there's going to be some Brexiteers who have Irish passports. And of course, there's plenty of people that vote for Sinn Féin across the entire island of Ireland, not just in the north. Right. But that does not mean you can classify an entire populace based on one stereotype to suit your own 
exclusionary narrative of denying votes. Right. It's not just wrong. It's, it's just a lot of prejudice. It's a lot of prejudice. Well, it brings me to another point, and uh, we spoke a little bit about the fact that you, as an American citizen, can continue to vote in American elections. Right. Um, Living here in Northern Ireland or any part of the world, it's not time limited. So you can keep that vote for however long you stay here. And not only that, but say, for example, you were an American citizen who was born in Ireland, but never stepped foot in the U.S. Yeah, never been on American soil once. But you can still vote. That's right. But in Ireland, on the island of Ireland, yeah, no. no uh, you know, I work in Dublin, so I pay my taxes to the Irish state for a start. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, there is just no... No right of taxation. But it takes me to the point about um, taxation and voting rights. So we're going to use this episode to debunk that argument just a little bit. We often hear the uh, no representation without taxation. Well, you see, it was no... Oh, this is the new subversion. It was, okay. it was no... <laughs> Taxation without representation, right? That was Back the old for, yeah. So, Americans. and um, that's been flipped now, where people have confused this statement altogether, either deliberately or just like through ignorance of not understanding how this stuff works. Uh -huh. Now they shout from the rooftop, it's about no uh, taxation. No, wait. No, yeah. Wait. <laughs> no, no, it's the other way. It would be no representation without taxation there we go yeah i'm getting confused between the two now is that was that right yeah oh, well basically I... it's like if you don't pay taxes you shouldn't be allowed to vote this okay. is what they say and this is an interesting uh, argument to unpick for a couple of reasons one there are plenty of people within the state who don't pay taxes that's right yeah there's plenty of people who would live here but would also be maybe working in some formal capacity uh, elsewhere and would then therefore be paying taxes towards that state. Yeah, or there are plenty within society such as students, pensioners, single parents who are staying at home. They don't pay taxes. Right. And you know, and if you're if you're working below a certain threshold in terms of your income, you don't pay taxes. Right. So they still vote. And the reason for that is because voting is tied to citizenship, not to taxation. But imagine a scenario where this whole the concept of only those who pay tax can vote. What would that look like? All these people within society being denied the right to vote? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But then it isn't applied internally. We don't think about it in terms of within the state or within a country. It's just used as an argument to like say that people who live abroad therefore shouldn't have a right to vote because they don't pay taxes. It's gatekeeping. Yeah, exactly. But... Um, also within each country are people like yourself who right. do pay taxes and contribute but are not a citizen of said country or do not have voting rights through another means. Right. And therefore, you are paying taxes, yet you have no right to vote. That's right. Again, that's because voting rights are tied to citizenship. So in terms of the U.S. model, this is kind of where it comes from. It comes from that uh, that old saying that was used in the U.S., but also the idea that because American citizens have to file a tax return, even if they live abroad, that somehow means that taxation and voting is connected. 
Now, we see this argument come up time and again, where people will say that, yes, but American citizens have to file taxes. Therefore, taxation and voting rights are connected. Right. But they aren't. You know, even if you didn't file a tax return, which I'm sure there are plenty of American citizens living abroad who do not file tax returns from wherever they're living, that doesn't stop you from having a right to vote because they're not connected. They're two totally separate things. Right. And actually, the 24th Amendment of the Constitution states that the right of any citizen to vote, quote, shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. Constitutional right to vote enshrined in law regardless of taxation because these things, they're just not connected. They are actually just a conflated and confused argument used to deny fellow citizens a right to vote. Tell us how you really feel, Emma. That's right. I feel very strongly about it. So back to Ireland in terms of um, what's going to happen in the future. I mean, can Ireland really continue having such an exclusionary system where millions of its citizens are denied the right to vote or any kind of political participation because they live outside the state? Well, I hope not. And hopefully next year, 2023, there will be a referendum on extending presidential voting rights to Irish citizens abroad. It is going to be a highly contentious and controversial referendum. Why? Well, because of all these these prejudices these stereotypes and a lot of fear and misinformation over what that might mean. There's been a lot of, um, I suppose, fear mongering around how Mm. many Irish citizens live abroad and therefore this idea that they would flood the vote, Mm. as they say, is being peddled a lot by those who oppose extending the franchise. The amount of Irish citizens abroad is estimated to be about 3 million And that does sound like a lot when you take into consideration the population of Ireland. However, two million of those, more or less, is just the north. Wow. So it's really the island of Ireland. Um, It's about a million Irish citizens that actually live outside the island of Ireland. And then there's also the fact that what do people expect? That every single one of these Irish citizens is going to go through the effort it takes to register as a voter abroad and go through the work to try and get their vote through so that they can vote for someone that they think the Irish people wouldn't vote for because they're trying to get in some controversial Donald Trump character? No, that's just totally unrealistic. How how many people come out to vote domestically, not abroad? Like how many people? Yeah, in- I mean, Ireland doesn't have great voter turnout um, figures. Usually it's anywhere from 50 to 60 percent. And with referendums, it can be quite low. We've seen turnout for referendums at 50 percent. I mean, in the Good Friday Agreement referendum, which, of course, it was a landslide at 94 percent voted for the Good Friday Agreement, lesser known is that only 54 percent of the voters actually came out to vote in such a historic agreement. So considering 
how few people go through the effort of voting, even when it's at its most convenient, it is truly fear mongering to be spinning some narrative that there's just going to be this mass influx of awful voters coming in and changing everything for people that it's live It's just here. not supported by the figures. It's not supported by the figures in any country. You know, if you look at um, somewhere like Canada that has, I think, about 2 million um, citizens abroad that are registered to vote, only about 10,000 of them actually bothered to vote at wow. the last election, even though there's so many that are registered. It's not just the process of registering, but then they have to actually cast their vote, often through a postal ballot. ballot. So... There is, you know, uh, there isn't a high number of citizens abroad who take up their right to vote. But those that do are those who are really invested in their home nation, who are continue to be invested in what's happening at home. Um, and so for that reason, that's why it's important for those who really are passionate about the Irish nation or people like yourself who continue to be passionate about your home country that they still have that right to participate if they want to. But this idea that they're all going to do it, it just doesn't add up. That would be crazy to think that could even happen. <laughs> um, but it's just another argument where the whole objective is to deny people the right to vote. And I think that in a country such as Ireland, which has such a historical... You yeah, know, like a, a history of so much emigration and spreading around the world. It's really sad to think that in spreading the diaspora uh, across the world to like record breaking numbers, the reward is then you're basically cut off after what, how many months you have like a certain amount of time that you can still participate. But if you exceed that length of time, it's just like, don't let the door hit you. Yeah, essentially. And many of these people continue to contribute at home as well. But when you look at the historical, the history of immigration out of Ireland, many of these people didn't want to leave. No. They left through no choice of their own yeah. and continued to be deeply attached to their home and still are. So it, this idea that because you have, have left the state, you're somehow now no longer a part, a, a full part of the Irish nation yeah. is such an exclusionary policy for such an, you know, a warm, typically warm and embracive and inclusive, inclusive yeah. uh, nation. It just doesn't add up in terms of when you think of Ireland, you don't think about the fact that it's kind of um, it's kind of privileged. You know, there's yeah. like an upper class of Irish citizens. Hoity toity. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to somebody recently um, within politics who was from uh, Norway. And they were amazed and shocked to learn that Ireland didn't have uh, voting rights for their citizens abroad. In terms of on a global stage, you know, Ireland is trying to build itself up as a global leader, now holding a UN Security Council seat. And yet when it comes to enfranchising citizens abroad, it really is an outlier. So I suppose back to Northern Ireland. Jake waiting patiently for a right to vote at some point in a future election. Right. I don't think it's going to happen before next year's assembly election because the Irish naturalization process is very slow at the moment with um, a perfect storm in terms of delays around COVID and working from home and the fact that so many people are applying to become a part of the Irish nation means that the backlog of applications is pretty lengthy so i'm sorry to say jake that you probably won't be able to vote in next year's assembly election <sighs> i guess i'll just stop holding my breath <laughs>
But uh, across the UK, people like Jake don't have a right to vote because, as I say, he's a third country national, with the exception of Scotland, who, as always, are one step ahead hmm. of everyone else and who recently brought in a right to vote for those who are resident in Scotland, um, who are resident there for a certain amount of time. And some countries do have this um, this procedure in place, this right for those who have been in the country for five years or 10 years, who are really making it their home to give them some sort of political participation. And I think that's a really good thing. I think that um, bringing in a similar right to vote for those who are resident in Northern Ireland or across the whole island, who've been here for a certain amount of time, they really should be able to participate in some way. I understand why when it comes to things like um, voting for the president, that is very much for uh, citizens of said nation. That makes sense because this the, the president of Ireland. It's the American president. But when it comes to who's going to represent you at the council, who's going to represent your area, who's going to represent you at the assembly and represent the concerns you have as a constituent. See, these um, are the important unsung heroes of history. Right. But these are the people... Unrecorded. Yeah. But they deserve, uh, or rather, the people that live within these areas deserve the right to vote for those regardless of uh, citizenship. Whereas, yeah, because they're affected by yeah, exactly. living in they're, that area. They are no doubt directly affected by it, so they should have a say in it if if they so choose, if they want to. I, I totally get the the distinction between voting for that sort of uh, a position versus voting for the president because it serves a totally different historical mm-hmm. value. Absolutely. So that's the uh, the recommendation we're putting into this podcast on the record right now that Northern Ireland and the whole island actually should be giving voting rights to those who are permanently resident uh, in the country when it comes to local councillors and assembly um, representatives. And then the other big shout out is that, yes, uh, we absolutely should be providing presidential voting rights to Irish citizens abroad. I mean, the president of Ireland represents the Irish nation, represents all Irish people. The fact that such a tiny cohort of Irish citizens can actually vote for that representative, it just feels totally wrong. And, you know, I think about um, former presidents from the North, you know, uh, who couldn't even vote for themselves or whose partners couldn't vote for them. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like it's a backward system. They couldn't do the classic. You walk into the ballot box, you vote for yourself and you walk <laughs> out. That's like the... I know. I I still think that's really weird. Yeah, I, I always thought that was kind of like douchey, but yeah, I didn't think it was... like, what if it was like a proper crunch vote and there was like one vote <laughs> you, you were the, your your own voting, swing voter. Yeah. And you swung the vote against <laughs> you, I suppose. I can understand why people maybe do it when you think about it like but, that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to wrap up um, on voting rights. Um, I'm sure we will come back to this again. I am the spokesperson for votingrights.ie who will be campaigning for extending presidential voting rights. So it will be completely unsurprising that this episode is out there in the world. And we will most certainly be discussing more of the arguments for and against having an inclusive nation where people can vote um, uh, as that campaign gears up um, in late 2022, 2023. I can't even tell you what year it is right now. I feel 
so confused. We've been in this pandemic for so long <laughs> that I'm just like, is that like next year? Is that like in five years? Space and time have collapsed. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening.